Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Hurtling through space at thousands of kilometres an hour and just missing by metres. That's right, we're talking this week about collisions or near misses in space and what the space debris surrounding our planet has to do with keeping space clean and healthy, how that can disrupt daily life and ways we can clean it all up and prevent future space collisions and explosions. All this week more, we look at space debris. Obviously, as a podcast called Lagrange Point, when it comes to orbits, we have a little bit of an interest. And if you follow anything to do with space news, you may have heard about two satellites or debris and former satellites coming very close to colliding with each other. Now, when you think about space, you imagine it as some huge thing with immeasurable distance between objects, which is certainly true. But when it comes to low Earth orbit, it's not quite the case. There is a lot a lot of garbage out there and I can't give you a number on that because we don't actually know how much debris or fragments of debris are up there in low earth orbit and this is a real issue the International Space Station had to undertake three maneuvers to actually dodge pieces of space debris this year it's a big problem because space debris can cause pretty significant damage to a spacecraft or maybe a space station or even just a satellite because when you think about the relative motion of different orbits, you can end up with huge differences in speed. So that means that even a small bit of dust, maybe a fragment of a bolt, you have to remember that that fragment is traveling at some ungodly speed or relative velocity. Perhaps even in the case of this collision, the relative velocity between the two objects would have been around 14.7 kilometers per second. That is really, really fast. And if something is going that fast, the force from that impact is incredibly high. So that's where you see even a pea-sized or a grain of sand-sized bit of debris punching holes in spaceships or spacecraft or satellites. So people have been tracking this potential collision risk between what was a former Soviet satellite by the name of Paris, which was launched in 1989, and a Chinese rocket booster stage that was launched all the way back in 2009. Now, both of these objects are debris now, because they're both defunct and derelict, and neither of them have a means of propulsion, which means that they can't be either steered away from each other to prevent the collision, or steered into the atmosphere to burn up and get rid of them. And the thing is that groups that were tracking these objects, like Leo Labs, which is a company, a private company that tracks space debris, they were forecasting that these objects could come within meters the original estimate on the 16th of October was 12 metres from each other. Now, that's very close when it comes to space. Doesn't seem like a lot to you and me, but in space, 12 metres is almost effectively a collision in of itself, such as the distances that are considered in most things to do with space. Now, fortunately, these did not actually manage to collide, and that is really good news. For those of you hoping for a nice fireworks show of two things colliding into each other, the actual destruction of a spaceship or a satellite is far worse because one collision can produce thousands of pieces of debris. Now, some of this debris may fall into orbit, but some may be trapped in a LEO orbit, a low Earth orbit, that could cause further collisions and problems for other satellites and spaceships. 
this can you know, lead to the scenario known as Kessler syndrome, where one collision sparks off another collision and another collision, another collision, a chain reaction, causing a resonance cascade. I'm not trying to talk science fiction or doomsday scenarios. A single destruction of any satellite can cause a lot of debris to be produced. That's exactly what happened in 2009. Back in 2009, uh, a dead Russian satellite and an actual active communication satellite operated by Iridium collided around 500 miles over Siberia. Now, these two satellites, one was around 700 kilograms, another one was around 900 kilograms, like a ball. The other one had a bit of main panels and batteries. Now, these two craft were actually orbiting almost at, at right angles to each other. One was orbiting over the poles and the other one was orbiting more laterally across the Earth. Now, the issue between these two orbits, they had a, a relative speed of around 10 kilometers a second. So very, very fast. Now, the collision didn't fully destroy Iridium-33. Um, some of the antennas were still intact. Uh, maybe they're being grazed along the top was actually potentially the theory, leaving much of the rest of the satellite intact. But they saw that it produced at least 528 major pieces of debris from Iridium and over 1,300 pieces of debris from Cosmos. That were all these debris pieces that were identified were major debris pieces larger than 10 centimetres in size. Now, of these pieces, only around 30 of them from Iridium and 60 from Cosmos have actually decayed and been destroyed in Earth's atmosphere. So think about that. Almost 1,500 pieces of large debris were created from a, this collision between Cosmos and Iridium. And relatively shortly afterwards, a very small fraction of percentage of that, just under 5%, had actually managed to decay and burn themselves up in the atmosphere. Which means that the remaining bits of that debris could stay in orbit for anywhere between 30 to 100 years based on the type of orbit that they were involved in. This is a big legal issue because the law of space, the Outer Space Treaty from 1967 and the 1972 Liability Convention, under these, the launching state who launched the, this craft is actually responsible for the object in orbit. But of course, the launching state may mean the person who funded or created the rocket for launch, or maybe the state that actually launched it itself. So in the case of something launched in Kazakhstan, are they responsible, even though it's a Russian or US satellite? So the problem is that legally it becomes incredibly messy, and the onus of liability is also complex as well. I mean, one of these was a Soviet satellite. The Soviet Union no longer exists as a state. And when it comes to private industry and private satellites, then it's even more murky. Who is responsible for the cleanup and maintenance if that company has gone bust, for example? So what you may ask, because space is big and satellites are small, what does it really matter? Well, the risk of collision is getting worse and worse all the time because many companies are starting to launch sophisticated swarms of satellites. Or there's been a huge proliferation of mass-produced cheap CubeSats. Now, CubeSats are great for enabling people from all over the planet, regardless of economic status. You don't need to be NASA or JAXA to launch a satellite. You can be a much, much smaller space agency or private group. And that's great for democratization of science. But the problem with CubeSats is that, well, they can introduce a lot of debris because often CubeSats don't have sophisticated propulsion systems to either drop themselves into a burn-up orbit once their mission is complete 
or to dodge any potential collisions. So CubeSats and large constellations like those planned by organizations like Boeing, Samsung, SpaceX with these large thousands of swarms of satellites. The problem of these satellite swarms is aside from ruining some parts of astronomy, they also just make up huge potential risk for future collisions. There's something that we really need to seriously address. So whilst we have dodged a bullet, figuratively speaking here with this potential collision, there are still great risks that are only getting worse. And until we have a way to legally regulate and understand the way in which space debris is managed and a more efficient way of tracking space debris that doesn't rely on private organizations like Leo Labs, we will always have this risk and issue, which is a risk and issue for all of us because satellites provide us with so much. And if they get damaged, that can cause outages, which can cause big problems for you and me here on Earth. So dodging space debris and collisions is incredibly important and useful for our functioning of the modern society from a health and a weather perspective and critical things in emergencies. So we need to take seriously about it. And organizations like Leo Lab are doing good things to try as a private industry track and monitor huge amounts of space debris. But they need help and assistance. And we need to find a way to enable things to be launched into space safely, but also have a way to clean up space at the same time. And that's exactly where missions by the European Space Agency like Clear Space One, which was announced all the way back in December 2019, if you can remember that time. Well, Clear Space One was planned for launch in 2025, and it's a collaboration between a, a private-led Swiss startup, Clear Space, which is a spin-off of the Ecole Polytechnique Federale de Luzerne, EFPL in Luzerne, in Switzerland, to try and clean up space debris. The purpose of Clear Space is to target the VESPA. Uh, it's the Vega Secondary Payload Adapter. It's a stage of a booster rocket left in orbit around 800 kilometers up after the launch of the second flight of the European Space Agency's Vega launcher back in 2013. Now, VESPA weighs around 100 kilos, so it's like a small satellite. It's relatively simple shape and sturdy construction make the ideal testing ground for a cleanup mission. So the job of the clear space mission is actually to go in there, get close to that object, latch onto it and try and push it and get it into a way that it will deorbit it and make it burn up in the atmosphere. And this is an important mission because it's about targeting a known piece of space debris, a large piece of space debris and pulling it down out of orbit, making it burn up. And more and more of these kind of missions will be required. So. It's an example from the European Space Agency of a way to work on ways of pulling out large objects before they get involved in nasty collisions, creating hundreds of more pieces to be cleaned up. Another example of a, a small, easy way to use CubeSats for good rather than clocking up space comes from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in New York, which have developed a CubeSat they call OSCAR, Obsolete Spacecraft Capture and Removal. 
Now, it's a, again a CubeSat, so it's not very big. 30 centimeters by 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters, or three units of CubeSat long. But it will pack a lot of interesting stuff into that small size, including obviously communications, power, and propulsion, which propulsion is not always on a CubeSat, plus four net launching gun barrels. Now, the idea is that each Oscar will be able to capture and remove four pieces of debris, and then, using its engine, deorbit itself within five years. Now that's a good mission. Not only is it using a CubeSat, which is cheap to deploy, but also able to work together as a flock or a squadron to go after large amounts of debris and then use its onboard engine to deorbit itself. Now these kind of missions are happening, but there's a lot of debris out there. And if each collision can produce thousands of pieces of debris, you need a lot of things and more than four nets to soak it all up. Now, another type of mission which is aimed to get all of those small pieces of debris, in the estimated 129 million pieces of debris out there, a lot of them are really small. So how do you capture all of them efficiently? Using sails to try and sweep up or friction drag all of that debris down is one concept. A, a Russian startup by the name of Start Rocket has developed what they call a foam debris catcher. It's a small autonomous satellite that would collect debris like the Oscar and then deorbit itself. Except the way in which it collects the debris is by having all of these spindly arms of foam. Now this foam can basically absorb all kinds of dust that it just flies into or collides with it and it captures it. And then once it's sort of full in this broom or basically spider web of foam, it can then dump itself back down to earth to burn up and, and get rid of all of it. And basically, it extrudes all these lattices of foam when it gets close to a degree cloud. And then it can just basically sweep through it, soaking it all up like you would a dust cloth to absorb all of that dust. Now, again, this is a Russian startup, so whether or not it's actually launched, which it is targeted for 2022, um, as a CubeSat test example, with a potential functional launch in 2023, these kind of missions are important. And they're also important that they actually get support from larger space agencies because private institutions can develop these CubeSats to do good work, but unless they're given some incentive to do so, there's really got to have something to spur on private industry. An example in this, this uh, Russian startup, Star Rocket, is supported by the Russian cybersecurity company billionaire Eugene Kapersky. But that's just one private individual funding it. Now, if someone like Musk or SpaceX are going to launch their own satellite swarms then they should also probably have swarm debris cleanup strategies as well but you don't see a lot of talk about that in all of the press releases so collisions in space are thankfully rare but if we want to have our skies to remain clear and still be able to use things like satellites to bring internet across the world get better weather prediction or be able to conduct astronomy or other climate observing missions then we need to make sure we clean up ourselves in space and that also includes all of those little cubesats that are getting launched by universities and private groups across the world they too need to have better standards in place to ensure that they get cleaned up sufficiently whether you're a big organization like boeing or google or facebook or a small private group that have launched your own cubesat Cleaning after for yourself is incredibly important for everybody involved. And we've looked at a couple of different missions aiming to do just that. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Cleaning up space and preventing unwanted space debris or leftovers colliding with each other and making space safe for all those experiments up there. 
Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.